Tappers, what's going on? It is the Tuesday edition of the Daily Tap for February 22nd. Hope every 23rd, not 22nd. Hope everybody's hanging in there. Uh, just starting the week. Excited for today's show. We're going to talk Brewer over under. Are you more on team over or are you more on team under? We will make the case for both. We will also talk a little bit about the Bucks-T-Wolves rivalry that wasn't kind of a walk down memory lane and how the Bucks and Timberwolves went in completely different directions. We will then talk a Chuck's Corner and it will talk about fighting. Um, after the Oklahoma fight that went viral, um, I have a story of my own when I screwed around with a wrestler and lost It did not go well. So we're going to take a trip down memory lane. I think you guys will enjoy that story. Um, And that'll be a fun way to end the show today. But let's start with the Milwaukee Brewers. So the Milwaukee Brewers, the over-unders have been out, I think, for about a week now. Um, Kind of where people think the Brewers are going to finish this year, where Vegas has them. And just looking at DraftKings uh, Sportsbook, uh, that's the one I pulled for this. They have the Brewers at about 82 and a half wins. So they have the Brewers as a 500 team basically this season. You're basically betting that the Brewers are a little bit better than 500. I believe if I'm doing, if I'm remembering and I'm recalling, the Brewers have hit their over the last two full seasons. I'm not sure they did last year, but the Brewers hit the over the last two full seasons um, with really successful years. Now, could the Brewers do it again? And there's a case for the over, and of course there's a case for the under. And for those who aren't gamblers, for those who are not familiar with how over-unders for futures work, basically they're hoping for equal amount of action on both sides. They're hoping that 50% of people take the over, and they're hoping that 50% of the people take the under. I think at 82, it's a little soft for Milwaukee. I'll be honest. I am more on the side of the over, um, just because I look at that division and it's not good, right? It is not a good division. And it is a division that's really going to be a two or three team race. I know some have made the case for the Cincinnati Reds and maybe you can, but I do think there's going to be that cloud that the Reds might trade everybody early in the season and just sort of move on and not necessarily be looking to contend. Who knows? Maybe Cincinnati says, all right, we're going to see what happens. We still have Castillo. We still have Sonny Gray. We still have Eugenio Suarez. Like all guys that we thought were going to be on the move this year. And we're going to just try for a run. Why not, right? We might as well, since we have everybody here, we might as well make a run. And if we don't, we can talk about these guys at the deadline. So who knows? Maybe the Reds do add to the party. The Pirates are going to be terrible. That's going to be something that, as the Brewers and any other team in the NL Central, has to take advantage of regularly. Like they have to win those games. Those games matter because you; those are just free wins, right? You can boost your record just because you're playing the Pirates. I think they do play 19 times inside the division. So the kind of the case for the over is that the division is bad. I think that's one of them, right? The division is not that good. You're not dealing with a Dodgers or a Padres or even like the Atlanta Braves or New York Mets. Like those teams do not exist in the NL Central. 
So you do have more winnable games on your schedule than you do, you know, if you were playing in the East or you're playing in the West or you're playing in the AL, one of the AL divisions. Like this is one of the worst divisions in baseball. It might be the worst. So you can take advantage of that. And that's what the Brewers have to offer. They also have a great pitching staff. I think more and more people are starting to warm up to the fact that the Brewers have a damn good pitching staff this season. You have Adrian Hauser, you have Corbin Burns, you have Brandon Woodruff. Woodruff and Burns are obviously the two guys that you're going to talk about a lot more than anybody else. I know I mentioned Hauser first. He's just on the mind. I think there's a hope that he can have a really successful year. You have Josh Lindblom kind of looking for a little bit of a bounce back. I'd argue Lindblom, you know, he got better as the year went on. Um, he just walked too many guys. Like he just was a nibbler. He has he brings a lot of Giovanni Gallardo vibes. If you remember how Giovanni would sort of you know nibble and go around those dudes and not just go right after him. There's a the potential of Freddie Peralta getting into the rotation. I feel like we hear this every year. Freddie has obviously proven himself as a reliever. Will Freddie actually get a chance to start? What do we get out of Eric Lauer? Who, again, another guy that could potentially be the fifth guy in that rotation. Brett Anderson was signed. He's a guy I actually really like for this team. We talked about it last week. That with the defense that the Brewers have, I think Anderson's actually perfect for this team. And they have a really good bullpen. Because you know Josh Hader. You know Devin Williams. Ray Black's very good. Justin Topa showed some things last year. So did Eric Yardley. Bobby Wall was kind of all right. Drew Rasmussen, who's a guy I actually really like as well. Phil Bickford throws heat. Now, he was a top, top prospect back in the day, and he's had a lot of issues with marijuana, and he hasn't really you know put it all together. But you're telling me Phil Bickford couldn't be a Jeremy Jeffries type where some drug issues in the minors and just kind of comes up big jj just signed with the nationals by the way if you are following along with what jeffries is still doing he was really good with the cubs last year i can't believe he was still unsigned i I almost wonder if the brewers you know tried to go back that well for what the third time in his career Uh, it's crazy so you know obviously i listed all these guys and, and i missed some too but they have a really good pitching staff and that's why you buy into the the over because if you think about the NL Central and you think about what the Brewers if they're facing lesser competition and these guys have to face a maybe a top tier pitching staff well that's going to cause some problems that's going to cause some issues for teams that they're facing versus you know what what you're dealing with offensively and maybe offensively, it's why you you might look at the under because how bad the offense was last year. Now, all indications are the Brewers' offense is going to be better from last year. That the videos in the clubhouse is going to really help. That a lot of these guys were kind of in their own heads, um, and that they're sort of looking for that bounce back. And Christian Yelich and Omar Narvaez and. Even Lorenzo Cain, who didn't play, who was really kind of strong for that first week, and then he opts out. So you have Lorenzo Cain's back in the rotation. There was news out today that Luis Urias is going to get a chance to win the starting shortstop position, which is really interesting that they're not sold on Orlando Arcia, who had a pretty good year in 2020. And I think if they had an all-star game, Orlando Arcia might have been the Brewers' all-star. 
So they have, and Avisail Garcia is a guy who might not have had the power that I think we expected last year, but he could easily hit 30 home runs for the Brewers. I don't know if anyone would be surprised by that. Dan Vogelbach, is he going to be the next Eric Thames or is he going to flame out? Keston Hira had a terrible year last season. So I don't know. I look, I, I, as I talk about it more, I have a harder time with the under. I don't know. I guess, how do you get the under? And, and I never like betting against my own team. I think that's kind of stupid. Um, I know that there are people who do that kind of more degenerates and more power to you. I'm not going to bet shame. I guess how you get the under is Brandon Woodruff gets you. You imagine that the Brewers don't stay healthy. That Brandon Woodruff gets hurt, that Corbin Burns has an issue, that Brett Anderson's blisters pop up. Maybe Josh Hader or Devin Williams goes down. You know, you have m- multiple injuries. Or offensively, if the Brewers lose one of their offensive guys, does it turn into 2020 again where the offense struggles just because they got rid of Lorenzo Cain? They got rid of one bat. So I don't know. That to me is what you're buying on because. I look at this Brewers team and I think they're going to win the division. I think there's value to be had at whatever the division odds are. I'm not really a big MLB futures guy because it's a six month bet. You just have to say, all right, we're going to place this and, and not, and not look at it for like six months. Like I'd love a program, like an offshoot of just like a future, a future casino or something like that, where it's like, you have a separate account just for futures. And now you can transfer money, right? You can transfer money into that, but then you don't have to look at it. Like it's not like an open bet. Like you don't have to look at it, you know, for six months and say, all right, you know, I'm not going to be able to cash this until the end of September if I'm right or if I'm wrong. But I don't know. That's just a thought, just a, an idea. I actually kind of like that idea. I might have to might have to patent that one. But yeah, I the more I talk about it, I, I know I was going to build a case for the under, but I don't know if I have one. I mean, I really think it comes down to injuries or if this offense just sucks or I guess the other part is if, you know, Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns take a step back and this rotation isn't as good as we thought it was. So It'll be interesting to see, um, you know, if you're looking at this, the Brewers would just have to pace 500 the whole year to get this victory. So I will talk, obviously, as we get closer to the season about expectations, because I think in a 162 game season, there's going to be a lot of need for people to be reminded of like how you have to sort of treat this season and not necessarily like you did the 60 game sprint. This is not a sprint anymore. It's back to being a marathon. All right, let's move on to basketball. So we have the Bucks and Timberwolves tonight. The Timberwolves are hiring a new coach. Chris Finch takes over tonight. I don't know what you can expect there. I do think the Timberwolves are going to play very hard for him. So I expect the Bucks to be challenged. I don't think this is going to be a walk in the park. I think these guys are going to want to show sort of what they have for their new coach. And their new coach will make adjustments and make decisions on the fly. Now, there are a lot of people who are unhappy about what happened because, you know, they weren't able to bring in a minority hire. I think Dame Lillard and C.G. McCollum said something. I do want to call and Rachel Nichols had a big, you know, sort of monologue on the jump yesterday. I do want to just call out and just remind people that Garen Rosas is a minority, you know, executive. Like he, he, I believe is, you know, Hispanic descent. Like 
it, Rosas is not necessarily just some white guy hiring another white guy. You know what I mean? Like, I understand the frustration there, but I also like, it's hard for me to like say, oh, they, you know, they needed to go through this process. And yeah, it's a little weird. I agree. But Sam Vecini, I thought did a great job of explaining like, look, Rosas and Finch have worked together. They know each other. He's interviewed for this job in the past. This might've been the plan all along for Rosas. And he had told ownership like, hey, look, this is the move I'm making. So it's not like Rosas is just some, you know, old rich white dude making this decision and hiring another white dude. I just think it's it's a little bit of a virtue signal by Nichols and just sort of it looks really good on social media and it's just plain to the social media crowd and her tagging Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, you know, helps. And as one of my friends pointed out, like, look, the the coaching staff was bad this year. Ryan Saunders coaching staff did a bad fucking job with their, with their team in general. So why would you want to hire someone right off Ryan Saunders staff? I don't know. That's, that's hard for me to explain, but as for the topic at hand, I kind of diverted a little bit. The Timberwolves and Bucks were supposed to be this great rivalry. People thought the Timberwolves and Bucks were going to be the two sort of teams that emerged after Giannis and Jabari Parker. And for the Timberwolves, there were a lot of names and it looked like Minnesota was going to be this next great team out of the West. It kind of, and it never, it never came to life. It's the rivalry that wasn't, you know, Milwaukee and Minnesota are probably at some point going to play in the same division. I think that's just a layup decision, right? I know that they've talked about restructuring the divisions and making basketball look a little different. I think Milwaukee and Minnesota are destined to be in a division at some point in our lifetime, but they were supposed to have a real rivalry and the rivalry just did not happen. You know, they had a team when they drafted Carl Anthony Towns and they, you know, drafted Towns with the first pick. They had Andrew Wiggins. They had Zach Levine. They had Shabazz Muhammad. Even Gorgie Dang had a little bit of hype. Ricky Rubio. So like people thought that the Timberwolves were the next great team. Like people were ready to anoint the Timberwolves as this, you know, sort of young upstart team. A lot of people were excited for the T-Wolves and it just never happened. It never was the thing. They fire Sam Mitchell after Towns' rookie year. They bring in Tom Thibodeau. And when they bring in Thibodeau, it's not really that much better. You know, they add Chris Dunn, who was a rookie at that time. But they their team sort of stays the same and the results are very similar. So then after that year, Tibbs, they then make a roster change and they finish eighth in the Western Conference where it's starting to develop. They add Jeff Teague. They add Derrick Rose. I mean, of course, Tibbs can't be without him. He adds Todd Gibson. Jimmy Butler comes along and the Jimmy Butler and Carl Anthony Towns thing gets kind of ugly and we know in Wiggins too. And then that sort of dissolves from there. And now the Timberwolves are what they've been. And they've been one of the worst franchises in the NBA in the last 10 years, 20 years. It's been really ugly since Kevin Garnett left. It kind of reminds you of a team, of an NFL team who loses like a top tier quarterback. Like 
the Miami Dolphins, who didn't make the playoffs this year, have still sort of looked for Dan, Dan Marino's replacement. The Denver Broncos, granted, they won a Super Bowl and had Peyton Manning, but it was almost like a mercenary hire. They still really haven't found their replacement to John Elway. The Buffalo Bills finally have it with Josh Allen, but it took fucking 20-some years. They have not been able to replace Kevin Garnett. Carl Anthony Towns is not that guy. Carl Anthony Towns, I know he's been through a lot, so I don't want to shit on him too much. I feel weird. I really do. Like, he, like I'm usually pretty not sensitive about that, but when you lose, like, seven people to COVID this year, you have COVID yourself, I feel, I just feel bad. And so I don't want to talk too much shit about him, but I just don't see him as a leader. Like, I, I don't see him as a number one guy. I think he makes more sense as, like, a, an awesome number two. If anybody where, remember when we heard the Scottie Pippen comparisons for Giannis, Richard Jefferson, talk that dumb shit. Who I've grown to kind of like Richard Jefferson, unfortunately. I, I know he talks some shit about the Bucks, but he does have some good takes. Jefferson, that that comment actually is for Carl Anthony Towns. Like Carl Anthony Towns is going to be a great number two for somebody. I don't know for who. I don't know if it's De- his guy Devin Booker. I don't know if it's somebody else. But Carl Anthony Towns will be a number two somewhere. But yeah, it just has not. It's been so ugly. You know, they they lost in the first round of the playoffs. That was the first time they were in the playoffs since two thousand and four, since the Flip Saunders era, since the Kevin Garnett era. It's absolutely wild they thought Kevin Love was going to be the guy that sort of fixed things he didn't he was never he never got them even close to the play or well one year I think they got a little close but yeah Kevin Love was never the guy Carl Towns has not been the guy they did make the playoffs once yes but they lost in the first round to Houston and it wasn't really much of a series and a lot of that was probably predicated on Jimmy Butler being there, not necessarily Carl Anthony Towns. So it is wild that the Timberwolves have just been such a sad sack of a franchise and that people thought that the Bucks and Timberwolves were really going to be this big rivalry in the NBA. And it just never happened. And a part of it too was the the Jabari, I should have mentioned this at the start, like part of it wasn't really Carl Anthony Towns. It was actually Jabari Parker and Andrew Wiggins. Like people thought that this Wiggins-Parker rivalry was going to be a real one and that they would go at it for years and that they would, you know, sort of take their teams to the next level. Little did we know it was Giannis Antetokounmpo that would do that for the Bucks, and Jabari Parker was an afterthought and now is playing with the Sacramento Kings. Some fans weirdly want him back. I don't fucking get it at all. I think it's just this nostalgia disease that we have in society. But that's another story and way deeper topic for anything we're doing on the Daily Tap. Um, but and then Andrew Wiggins, yeah, same thing. He flamed out. He went to Golden State. Um, they got D'Angelo Russell, who was... Carl Anthony Towns' buddy, and it hasn't worked either. So I don't know if Chris Finch can make this team, you know, into something. Maybe he can. A lot of people like Chris Finch. He's really well respected. Um, he did a lot of good things for Toronto's offense, um, and Toronto has, you know, has been on a really good run of late. So we'll see what happens there with the uh, the Timberwolves to end the season, and we'll see how they play against the Bucks tonight. Like I said, I expect a really tough game for Milwaukee tonight. I would not expect this one to be a blowout, but you never know. Basketball 
is a very unpredictable sport. Would you have expected the Lakers to lose three straight games against all Eastern Conference teams, all at home? I wrote about that on SoTapWI.com. You can read it about just how much kind of comfort that gives me as a Bucks fan. But we, you guys can read that. I don't need to go over what I wrote already. Let's end with Chuck's Corner. So you, I'm sure you all saw the viral video of the Oklahoma football team holder who started a bar fight with a wrestler. He, I believe, was on the Oklahoma, Oklahoma wrestling team or he was just an MMA guy who he's trained in MMA for the last 10 years. Uh, the guy was a lot shorter than the dude that got his ass kicked. And he just beat the shit out of him. He hit him so fast. He got him to the ground. Apparently this holder who won a holder of the year needs eye surgery. Because that's how bad he got his ass handed to him in a bar fight. And now the guy was talking shit. He deserved to get hit. And I'm, I don't feel any sympathy for it. Bar fights happen. Testosterone amongst young boys happen. Like young guys, I mean, that happens all the time. And so it brought back memories of when I fought a roommate who was a wrestler and it did not go well. So to give a little background, I, I won't try to tell too much, but I had a new roommate my second semester of my sophomore year in the dorms. Um, I won't use him by name. I thought about calling him like Chad or something um, because, you know, whatever. I It's a long time ago and he probably has, I don't know what he's doing in his life, but hopefully he's, you know, moving it in the right direction. But at the time, like Chad was like an awesome dude to party with. He lost his roommate because he he was part with our RA. Our RA left, and so we 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 were both looking for roommates. My roommate had left. He decided to go to Madison. So I didn't have a roommate. He didn't have a roommate. We're like, dude, let's just room together. So him and I roomed together. Um, we sort of you know hang out. We we'd party together. Like so, it was kind of cool. Like we were good friends. Like. We had a lot of fun. It was like, all right, this is great. This guy was really good with women. So it was like, oh, we're going to have girls at our, our our room all the time. Like it was super exciting. Like we did the thing where we had a great goose bottle and we put Fleischmann's in it because we wanted to look cool. Yeah, we were fucking lame. We were 20 years old. I still never forget the time where we he had brought a girl back. And all of a sudden we had a knock on our door at like nine o'clock and he lived close to Eau Claire, uh, like from his family and his parents just showed up randomly on a Saturday morning and, his, and it's like, Hey, this is Chad's mom. Like is Chad there? And I'm like, Oh yeah, one second. And I'm like, Chad, your mom's here. And like all of a sudden him and the girl just shoot out of bed. Girl tits out was cool at 20. <laughs> like, I'm like, all right, this is, you know, we're getting a little bit of an advantage. But a girl broke his heart who uh, she ended up marrying the guy that she, uh, and I think they have a kid, who broke his heart. And he couldn't get over it. Like he couldn't get over this girl who just did not want anything to do with him. And he started drinking pretty aggressively. And he would drink just no, there was no day that he couldn't get drunk on. And it was getting pretty obnoxious because he was kind of an obnoxious drunk. And I was someone who, I had classes eight to noon Every Monday, th- Monday, Wednesday, th- Friday. Why I did that, I don't know. I'm a madman, okay? Like, it was not a smart decision by me in any shape of the word. 
So anyways, Chad, you know, was drunk on a Tuesday night. I'm trying to study because I have two tests the next day, one in human biology and I'm fucking terrible in science. I can't remember the other one, but I had two tests that day. So I had two tests the next day. I'm studying for them. I'm, you know, getting myself ready, trying to get myself in the right mindset. And I wasn't someone that really went to the library much as a dorm kid. Because if you know Eau Claire, where I went to school, you had to go up the hill after you went to the library. I just didn't want to do that. And there was enough quiet spaces around the dorms to study. And usually you could kind of get what you needed done. And so I, I think I had just from weird memory, like had made sure that I, you know, got myself prepared, felt ready, was like going to bed early because obviously I had, you know, an 8 a.m. Uh, for for this. So I was like, all right, I'm going to get to bed, get get early. And, you know, Chad was just being obnoxious and he just kept entering the room and and like was just kind of like, why aren't you getting drunk? And I'm like, dude, I have two tests tomorrow. He's like, no, no, no. Like you should come drink with us. Like we're having a great time. Like definitely do it. And so finally, uh, as someone, if you know me, I'm a little bit short tempered, especially when like things aren't going my way. And I sometimes, and I've gotten better as I've gotten older, but at 20, I fucking lost my shit. And I was like, all right, man, like, fuck this. Like, you just gotta like, I don't, I can't have you in the room right now. You need to like, just fucking stay with one of our other friends. Like this is like, and we're just kind of just barking at each other in the bathroom. And I don't really know. I think he threw a basketball at me. Um, Because he had had a basketball the whole night and was like dribbling in or whatever. And he threw a basketball right at me. And then I went after him and tried to to fight him, tried to tackle him. And he was a former wrestler in high school. And he flipped my ass right on the linoleum in the bathroom. And he wasn't that big. He was, you know, a, you know, kind of wiry dude. Um, I don't know, probably six feet, nothing. Like I was definitely bigger than him. I had lost some of my football weight, but I still was a big guy. You know, I still have a big frame and I just went ass over tea kettle right on the floor. I was bruised up. I was like, all right. And, and I, I just, I don't know. I think that that kind of told him that I was serious. I don't think I was on, I think he didn't bother me the rest of the night. Um, and I kind of sort of said, all right, man, you know, and I don't even really remember if we were that close after it, I, I think that was kind of my, my last straw. A lot of people had kind of gotten tired of his antics. He ended up getting kicked out of the dorms um, as the year went on. Um, he really clashed with our, our new RA and he ended up getting kicked out uh, right at the very end of it. And Tim and I then became kind of friends afterwards. And, you know, it, it is what it is and we don't keep in touch anymore. But that's just a valuable lesson of like, you never know who's a wrestler. And if you know they are a wrestler, there's no reason for you to ever fuck with them. Just don't. It's it's a losing equation. So that is my Chuck's Corner. I hope you enjoyed story time. Um, I hope that I sold it enough. Um, it was not fun. Um, but yeah, that was the last time I really fought with a wrestler. And so this Oklahoma holder who obviously is going through the eye surgery thing, I'm sure has learned his lesson as well. All right. Take care of yourself. Have a good one. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll talk bucks. 
We'll talk whatever else happens. We didn't talk Rodgers' engagement. Not that we needed to. We're not TMZ. But good for him. Uh, Shailene Woodley, I didn't think would be kind of his speed. She kind of seems a little more granola than what Rodgers usually has dated in the past. But hey. I think maybe because she just is such so out on football, like she just doesn't know football. I think that makes Rodgers love her because he's like, I can just do my thing and not have to worry about my significant other asking me a bunch of questions about it, which you got to like. All right. So take care. Have a good one. We'll talk tomorrow. See you guys. Bye.